Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plopskin. Let's, let's hitchhike to Motown because there ain't no mountain high enough. What's going on? Well, I heard it through the grapevine, but mercy, mercy me, the inner city blues makes me want to holler. If I want you to get some sexual healing because how sweet it is to be loved by you. Joining us today are the usual Morvins, including Kevin. Let's get it on Jager. Yes, good choice. <laughs> Kimberly, our you're all I need to get by game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. Hello! <laughs> and uh, with us today is a man of many talents. You may have seen him on stage in Hamilton, uh, in Motown as Marvin Gaye. Um, in addition to his other stage credits, including Fences, Immediate Family, Sophisticated Ladies, and His Girl Friday on TV or streaming, you probably saw him in Snowpiercer, When They See Us, and Queen Sugar. I didn't even get started on his music career as a singer, songwriter, and producer. We'll get into all of that, but let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the show. And he spells his name the correct way, Brian Terrell Clark. <laughs> what up, what up, what up, good people? <laughs> it is it always, always a pleasure to meet another Brian with a Y. You know, we spell it the correct way. What can I say? Agreed. <laughs> what can I say? Agreed. Well, welcome to Broadway. So we are so happy to have you. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. So let's just get started with what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Start there. I am drinking some Gentleman's Jack. Um, 
and uh, a little ginger ale, a little splash, a little splash of ginger ale. Uh, side note, I was actually in Canada working on a workshop and I used to be such a perfectionist. I'm an ex-perfectionist. I'm talking about sure. crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, showing up for rehearsal way too early, knowing my lines and everybody else's lines. And during this workshop, I was like, oh, I'm not drinking. I have to sing. Are you serious? I have to sing. And Tracy Toms, shout out to Tracy Toms. Come on, Joanne. <laughs> she said, oh, baby, come on in here. You're drinking the wrong thing. <laughs> she said, you drink a hot toddy when you need a little, little loosening up of those cords, right? I said, yes. She said, do you know what's in a hot toddy? Come on over here, baby. And she introduced me to Bullet Bourbon. And mm, uh, Oh, it's my favorite. Um, and I will say this. When I drink this... Aside from the calories and needing to go to the gym, I can still sing like a bird. So it works. Amen. Cool. Is your little yeah. cheat code? Yeah, a little cheat code. <laughs> cool. Uh, Kevin, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking the uh, Ojo de Tigre. It's a artisanal mm. mezcal, and it's like really it has a nice smoke to it, but like a nice kind of sweet like agave honey kind of finish on the end. It's cool. Delicious. I'm drinking it just on the rocks because it's that good. Nice. Yeah. Kimberly? I say yum, and then I'm like, I actually don't like mezcal, but that sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, but that bottle's so cool. Um, I have a gin and tonic with an Irish gunpowder gin, which is one of my favorites. It's a blue bottle. Um, And there is a glass that matches perfectly, but instead my husband gave me, um, this is Graceland, this cup right here. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. So (laughs) happy to have it. Side note on the names thing. Kimberly, how do you pronounce your last name? Schmidt. Uh-huh. We're not going to do it. Too easy. What? <laughs> Too easy. Cooper the Schmidt? Schmidt line. I'm sure you heard it a million freaking times. Um, the hashtag at my wedding was becoming Kimmy Schmidt. Shut up. And my bachelorette party was Kimmy Schmidt themed because it was during the first season. I got married. Uh, <laughs> my second date with my husband, we walked past a poster for like, new show coming. Kimmy Schmidt. And she's like redhead, has a backpack on, is wearing colorful clothes. And I just look at my now husband and I'm like, well, God damn it. Right. <laughs> when I went to school, uh, shout out to Bridget Jones at Yale School of Drama. Uh, one of my classmates, her real name is Bridget, Bridget Jones. Jones. And I was oh. like, oh, I feel so bad for you. You're an actress named Bridget Jones and you're no. a black girl from Jamaica. Good luck. No. <laughs> there needs to be like a support group. I do. Have, I know someone named Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> not kidding she goes by lizzie so like we need a support group for all of these people I mean, and there's well, I there's chose gotta be i chose to become kimmy schmidt and there's gotta be a ton of people just named harry potter it's like mm-hmm. like that's like uh, not a it's not like his name was like you know beelzebub duty pie like it was harry potter beelzebub duty pie what a name brian those are the only words i could think of in that moment or his name was gonna be like chipotle subway like that's the only things i can think of and shout out on the names kev you don't get left out my brother's name is kevin and he's a great yes yes kevin kevin is an amazing amazing father and he just laughs at his kids and with his kids. That's the best way to be. All day long. Right? Shout out to Kevin everywhere. Cheers. I have my, my brother's name is Brian. And then my sister married a guy named Brian. So I'm like literally just surrounded by Brian's all my life. Oh, they spelled with wiser eyes. That's their the eyes. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is because I text with Brian Plosky so much, my phone auto corrects 
So like when I text like my family, <laughs> it'll send the Brian, but it'll be with a Y. And they'll all, my family's like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm like, shut up. I love it. At so, least it works in our favor in that way. Usually what we get is we mm. get Starbucks, not only the incorrect spelling, but they'll they'll invert the I and the A. And so what sometimes Brian's will get are brain. Yeah, brain. Yes. Um, which is a nice compliment. I'll take it. Um, I, I get Byron all the time. You know Byron. you look like a Byron. Like E-Y-R-A-N. Right. Okay. Maybe it's just me. That's okay. See, I feel like all the Brian's I know are with Y's and the I, I'm always just like, ah, Brian, like Brian O'Byrne. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> like Brian of Tarth. <laughs> yeah, Brian. <laughs> well, I will say, so I will say, I, I'm going to say something nice. The the ter- the name Kevin is always used as the butt of the joke. Always in the Home there's Alone movies. Kev- a new, there's a new TV show out. It's called like Hey Fuck Kevin or whatever it's called. Like yeah, like Kevin is the name of the dumb bird in Up. Kevin, you know, Kevin, what did you do to my room? Like, and if it's like if there's like oh Kevin from the office, what a dummy head. I, I will say Kevin is taking back the name Kevin and doing it right. Thank That's you. Very I tried very hard. It's also what I will say too is my I, I I have two you know younger siblings, so I'm the oldest. So there's Brian, there's Kevin, and there's Joy. So where does the name Kevin end up? The middle child. Yep, it really mm. does. I'm the so, third of four, so it makes sense. Yeah, you're like the middle child of the earth. If you ever have a middle child, just name them Kevin, and you all will be well. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, you know, cosmic order of things. Amen. Totally. Um, well. Uh, this has been delightful so far. I love talking about our names. Um, so let's keep doing that. Um, no, uh, you <laughs> have three had an names. Time. It's been wonderful. yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> this is, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah. What's your favorite musical? <laughs> So, so actually, it's funny. You, you guys are probably actually going to keep this. Here's an interesting thing. So anywhere I go, I'm, I've been trying to do a lot more television and film. And as I'm getting older, I'm wanting to step kind of on the other side of the table and write and direct sure. and create and produce and stuff. That's what old people do, right? So it's interesting <laughs> because, because when people ask me about musical theater, no matter what setting I'm in, that's what comes up first. It's like, oh, you're a Broadway guy. And what people don't know is that I used to hate musical theater. Okay. Oh my God. To my core, I loathed it. I thought it was so corny and I had no, I just could not understand why people were singing. Like, the hills are alive with the sound of music. And I was like, so corny sure. what's happening, right? But if, if you were animated, I got it for some reason. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it's I mean? Like, thing. Yeah, like if you're a mermaid, girl, sing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes! You know, like birds singing, I'm like, Get it. If you're a fish, makes sense. But for some reason, I didn't understand it. And I went to Temple University undergrad and I was best oh, friends cool. with an amazing, amazing woman by the name of Mary Martha Ford. And her older brother was on Broadway. And I'm like, oh, cool. That corny stuff. So who's your brother? She's like, uh, his, his name is Billy. And like, you know, he's he's cool or whatever. He's done some stuff. It was Billy Porter. And Billy sure. became a really good friend of mine, really great mentor of mine. And when I told him this, um, he looked at me and he was like, I know exactly what you mean. He said, the reason why you don't love musical theater is one, because you've probably seen it performed badly. 
But two, mm-hmm. you're such a, you love music and you love acting and you don't understand why people are singing. So the idea behind musical theater is that the stakes are so high and what's happening within this person or between these two people <laughs> is so great that words are no longer enough. Believe it or not, it's the same reason we riff in church. So, we, so if I'm singing Amazing Grace and I riff and I go off the melody, it's because whatever's happening emotionally in me is so great that I veer off the melody and I riff, right? So that's what happens when, supposedly, when people are singing. Whatever's happening between us, the stakes are so high that I, ha- I can't just say these words anymore. I have to sing them. And when I saw Rent, baby, <laughs> I saw Rent for the first time in college and I started skipping school on a Greyhound bus traveling to New York to audition. And mm. I got in final callbacks too. Yes. The, that, the analogy to riffing, especially in church and, and all of that is, is a spectacular one that I think more people would, would understand it more if that's the context they're given. That's, oh. I, I don't know if I've ever heard it I've directly heard related to, to musical theater, but like that's, that's totally what it is. That's wonderful. And B, isn't it interesting? Because when you watch a person that's just like riffing and it doesn't feel connected and it just feels like they're mm. riffing, they're over riffing, yeah. that's where that comes from. But a person, it doesn't even matter how much they riff or don't riff. If they're connected to what they're singing about and the riff comes mm-hmm. out, it just makes sense for some reason. And that's totally. what happens Like when you look at a person, I think it's <clears> interesting because <throat> a lot of singer singers are like, I'd really like to get into musical theater and and then there are people who can't really sing and they're like, I'd like to get into musical theater, but they're really good actors. And I'm like, believe it or not, the good actor will be more successful. Absolutely. Because- so, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen. Oh, no. One of the stories I tell is I saw the Merry Wives of Windsor musical at Stratford-upon-Avon and it was starring Judy Dench couldn't sing anything i have never seen a better performance in a musical even though like not the best singer but like you just were so engaged in because when she went to the singing there was justification and reasoning for it and like i'm just getting goosebumps now like yeah the the better actor knowing where to go is going to be more successful than the person who can hit those notes like on in a you know directly and whatnot Well, first of all, you said Jane, Dame Judy Dench, and I wanted to pee. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous isn't even the word. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. I want to applaud you for being able to see her. Um, she is definitely one of, like, on the list of, like, oh, actress, actress, actor. Um, but I do think it's that, right? It's that thing of, like, have you ever seen a performer that's just, like, dead in the eyes? Yeah. It's just, like, so hard, even if they can sing. Right. It's like you've got this beautiful voice and I feel nothing. It's like I feel nothing. But then you've got Mm -hmm. somebody who's like maybe not the best vocalist, but they're still telling the story. And that's the thing that's beautiful about musical theater is that we're not just singing. We're telling the story using music as a medium, as a vehicle to um, to help, you know, transport us from from place to place. And it's. it's one of the beautiful gifts of storytelling that I think we don't appreciate um, enough. You know, it's an, it's an art form that I think the world is getting to see now as we kind of, there's this resurgence of films that are mm-hmm. showing musical theater. I mean, I'm a little too young. You guys are too. I'm looking at your faces. But like, there was a time where like the Hollywood musical, yeah. you know what I mean? Like being in film and being an actor who can act and sing and dance in film was a well, big deal. 
Yeah. So it's very interesting because if you look at the history, we're a nerd. If you look at the time period at which they were popular, the 50s and the 60s, what's happening? You have Korea and you have the start of Vietnam. So you have all these movies that are juxtaposing what's happening in real life and taking you into this fantasy world with music. And that's exactly what's happening right now. The, the, you know, like these, the, the juxtaposition of living through like times that like are wild and crazy and scary and terrible. And what are we doing? We are, we are addicted to these musicals, whether they're happy or sad or, or, or saying something deeper or just like throw your brain out the window and like smile. Like There's escapism. the escapism of it. Absolutely. And I think that's fascinating that like, that, that it's happening again, like you're saying, like, and, and it's, it's, people are appreciating the art form of it a lot more. And I think musicals are just becoming totally wildly like exciting. And, and I kind of want to relate that. Oh, sorry, Siri. Um, What I wanted to relate that to when it comes to you is, so you talked about that and you've played uh, on broad. We'll talk about Broadway just specifically. You've played two real life characters. So you, you're talking about storytellers. You are a spectacular storyteller who is taking these two characters, one of whom is a, a real, per, both of them are real people. One of them, let's just say Motown is a little bit more grounded in terms of who that character was and being a little bit more like the actual person. And then you have George Washington, who is you, you, obviously you're playing George Washington, George Washington, but there's a lot more layers to it um, in terms of race and in terms of the story and how you're telling it. I guess in terms of your ability to storytell in a musical as primarily or coming from a primary, like, you know, acting background, um, you have a magnificent voice, but I know that's probably where you come from. Talk about the, I know this is a long winded setup for a question, but talk about your avenues for storytelling those two types of real people in very separate musicals trying to do different things or are they? Totally. No, they're, they're definitely separate. They're definitely separate and they're very different. Um, and I'll say that both of those roles and both of those experiences taught me a lot. Um, I had just gotten out of Yale School of Drama when I got Motown. Um, I had been out for, for a little bit, um, for a few years, but I was still so studious. And so, you know, I come to New York and I've got all these musical theater folks, they're stretching and then they're like kikiing everywhere. You know what I mean? Like getting their lives yeah. so much fun in rehearsal. And I was like, fun, this is work. We are thespians, right? So I'm like in the corner sure. with like, every piece of material I could find on Marvin Gaye. I was like YouTubing and interviews and, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were lots of us. Um, shout out to Valicia LaKay, who played Diana Ross, who was also nominated. She was the same way. I mean, she would come into rehearsal dressed as a different period of Diana Ross every day. Oh, my girl, that's oh, got to cool. be expensive, shorty. That's got to be expensive. But <laughs> <laughs> just real creative. Maybe, you know, like a really good will, good, good will. And like, maybe you got a wig person. But like every day she was different, right? <laughs> so I was like... Step your game up. But what I realized was in all of that work that I was doing to transform and become this person, um, equally, if not more important, was that I bring a level of authenticity within myself to that character. Right. So when we were doing the workshops, I felt like, you know, I felt like I was doing a good job, but I felt like a student. And the first week of rehearsal on Broadway, I got a call during a 10 minute break. 
And some people say, don't answer your phones on 10 minute breaks. And now I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because I got this call from my mom and she had this weird sound in her voice. And I was like, what's going on, mom? And she was like, uh, are you, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, uh, I'm in rehearsal. You good? Yeah, I'm fine. I'll just uh, you know, call you later. And I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me now what's going on. And essentially my cousin, who was like a brother to me, who was my age, that night before was visiting a friend in the hospital with all his high school friends. The friend who was really, really sick was actually doing well, supposedly, and was like on the come up from whatever he was in the hospital for. They went all out to this bar to celebrate. He goes out to the car to get his phone charger because his phone is dying and he gets shot and killed in a crossfire that has nothing to do with him, supposedly. We don't know really what happened. They never find, found the guy that killed him. And after that, I had to go in and sing What's Going On for the first time. Ooh. So all of a sudden, wow. the show, and this happens for a lot of us performers, the right character and the right show comes along at the right time in your real life. And in an interesting way, in a serendipitous way, um, the piece itself becomes healing and an opportunity and a vehicle for you. And what happens with an audience is they see us playing out very real emotions, very real um, real things under these imaginary circumstances. And so in an interesting way, I became married to the part and married to mm. um, the circumstances of Marvin Gaye in the midst of, of playing the role. So it became a sure. whole different thing. I also have a really interesting story about Sharon Stone when it comes to, <laughs> to Marvin Gaye and Motel. So Sharon came to see the <laughs> Love Sharon Stone, right? She pulls me in the corner and she goes, come here, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta talk to you. So while you're performing, you know, it's like, I can really feel that you're a channel and you're channeling Marvin. And he's like, he's like floating around you and he's, he's right there, Brian, he's right there. He's like, and sometimes you can feel it. Like he, he wants to like enter you, right? Like he wants to inhabit you. And I'm like, that's interesting. Sometimes on stage, there's a really interesting, eerie feeling. Like, it's a weird alignment, but I do feel what you're talking about. And she, she leans in really, really close and she goes, let him in. <laughs> just, just let him in. <laughs> and I was like, Sharon Stone, I love you, but I'm not letting him in. <laughs> he can hang on my shoulder. He can come and visit, but I'm not going to like, yeah. possess Sharon Stone. I love you, but I can't do it. Shout out to Sharon Stone. <sighs> Yes. <laughs> maybe not let a ghost possess you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we artists, we get, we do some very weird things to do what we do, but you know, we we don't have to necessarily be possessed by ghosts. That's, that's exactly. an extra step. That's an extra step. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, did George Washington possess you? Not at all. Um, <laughs> completely different different circumstance, right? So, like. When Hamilton first started, it was such a juggernaut and it was such a celebration of diversity in our community. And I went to see it and called my agents and were like, do not send me in for that show. Do not do it. And the reason why was because I just thought it was so perfect. Like Leslie Odom Jr. is a really good friend of mine. He was fantastic. And I just thought to myself at the time, I would just be trying to do what Leslie did. And so it would not be a good fit. And then they, they said, well, actually, they're calling you in for George Washington. How do you feel about that? And I thought, oh, OK, maybe because there are a lot there. There are similarities between me and Chris Jackson, but we're really different men. You know what I mean? We're just very different guys. And so I thought, well, this would be interesting because if they choose me, that they, they're willing to take a chance on a different, just a completely different choice. Um, and I auditioned a million and a half times. 
and and booked it. And that was an interesting show because when it first started, like I said, it was a celebration. But th- by the time I joined it, which was like right after Chris left, there was a shift in the consciousness of this country because Donald Trump was becoming the president. And my first day of rehearsal, Brandon Victor Dixon, who I also just ran into uh, the other day, what up, B? Um, <laughs> Brandon Victor Dixon was playing Burr at the time and had just mm-hmm. spoken to uh, former Vice President Mike Pence from the stage. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, sure. That was my first day of rehearsal, and there was increased security everywhere after that. So I was like, oh, wait wow. a minute. I thought I was joining this pride parade of diversity, and actually I'm joining a protest piece is what it feels like. And we had, just like in Motown, when we suffered the death, the death of Trayvon Martin, while I was in Hamilton, there was this slew of deaths of black men. And we had now had a different, you know, presidential cabinet. It was just, it was like the world was upside down when I joined that show. And so being a black guy playing George Washington, the first president, meant something different. My first day on stage, like actual, like this is your first performance, was the same night that Barack Obama was giving his one last time speech in Chicago. So I was literally singing one last time while he was quoting the show. Uh, So I've got like that really, I don't have that like beautiful, like I can still keep singing pretty and had like that Denzel Washington one cry. I ain't got it. Sure, sure. Like the Viola Davis, my face is melting, my soul is... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Both, at the end of the both sides life. of the fence, if you will. Exactly. So <laughs> you're the pun guy. You're good, B. Yes, you're he is. <laughs> you like people like love you at a bar or like hate you because your mind oh. just <laughs> up so fast. And like, oh yes, I fucking love it. <laughs> Ryan is like, listen, I got puns, baby. I got puns. Um, he said, I can turn a phrase, okay? Um, but no, it's like, it, that's what was crazy about it. It was this weird kind of like, wow, Barack Obama, I never thought in my lifetime we would see a black president. I, just, I thought it was soon. And every black person that I know, the first time we watched them step out of a car after he was you know, nominated president, we were like, everybody was holding their breath because we were like, oh, okay, this is about to be a Kennedy. Sure. Every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so to step into that role and sing one last time for the first time while he was giving his one last time speech, I just knew that this was going to be a magical moment in the same way that my experience in Motown was. And it was. I love my ham fam. I love all those guys. Sure, that's fascinating. I, and I do want to talk about your next show, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Thoughts of a Colored Man. But before that, we do need to go somewhere. Oh, yeah. We need to go to Tuesdays in the Corner with Kevin. It's Kevin's Corner. Hey, Kevin's Corner. Welcome to Kevin's Corner, where I get to do whatever I want because it's fun and I like that. Um, and so today we're going to ask you some fun questions from a website that I found that's called 93 Fun Stupid Questions to Ask Your Friends. So yeah, you're my favorite person right now. <laughs> so we're going to go through, I'm going to pick some of these random questions and we will ask these questions and see what Brian's amazing answers are. Okay, let's so do it. Here we go. Just first thing that comes to your head, just hit it with whatever you're thinking. Uh, what is something you could buy at the grocery store that would make the cashier give you a weird look? Ooh, um, enemas. <laughs> fair, fair, because everyone knows what's going to happen with that. Um, would you, Brian, Brian can't. 
Would you rather a plan B pill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather own a horse the size of a cat or a cat the size of a mouse? Oh. A horse the size of a cat. That would be so freaking cool. It's like having really like cool. a puppy the size of my puppy, but it's a horse. I mean, that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I love yeah. this like, You got to text me later, bro. Tell me what this is. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were, if you could appoint a president of the internet, who would you choose and why? Um, Brian for a little while. There would be terms. But Brian could be president of the internet because I just think it would be a really fun place to visit because they're literally like, like if he can turn phrases that fast off the top of his head, could you imagine like what the internet would be? Yeah. you. Also, he spells his name with a Y. I'm here for it. Amazing. Perfect. You're president of the internet now. Good job, Brian. Perfect. Perfect. I don't, I don't take that responsibility lightly. I don't think you would. <laughs> Thank you. If you could... If you could make one of your body parts detachable without any negative repercussions, what part of your body would it be and why? Am I allowed to talk about everything on this platform? I say go for it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? If I could make a part of my body detachable and there were no repercussions, okay. I don't know who's listening to this, but you know... It would be great to be able to just like send your dick around. <laughs> when Justin Timberlake sang that song, it's my dick in a box. You know what I mean? Like it, it's gotta be a great thing to be like, hold my dick real quick. <laughs> also, can you imagine, can you imagine the fear on a man's face if he came up to you and you're like, what's wrong? And he's like, I misplaced my dick. <laughs> Or, or like, or like, you know, you're in a relationship and you're just a little tired and you're just like, baby, I love you here. Just here. <laughs> I'm gonna go to sleep. Just, but have fun. You'd have to like, I mean, they didn't invent like, you know, a find your phone thing for your dick. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Because if you give it to someone and then she never gives it back. You know what? And here's the thing. There are lots of people out there who would be like, cool, let me borrow your dick for a second. And then they like GP, like they put like a chip in it and they'd be yeah. like, so where, so where were you last night? No, more oh, important, yeah. where was your dick last night? They'll <laughs> 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 hack your phone. Excuse yeah, me, you find my dick? <laughs> exactly. Okay. According to my phone, your dick was over Stacey's house. Uh, it was uh, over uh, Stacey's uh, house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I know we're laughing, but I'm, I, all I hear are business ideas. <laughs> this is shark tank proof it is do you th- all right it, during the zombie apocalypse yes would it be better to live on your own or in a community in a community man i i this is not to make it all serious for a second but like i think covid has taught us the importance of community it's actually the reason why i love theater so much mm. um community is everything I, it, there must be studies right there's got to be studies on like how community is actually a part of our species way of surviving right like i think mm-hmm. there's something about us connecting and being able to do things together as a species that makes us you know top of the food chain kind of thing so i you know I, for me get me in a community let it be the right community and sure. you know and let's figure out new earth <laughs> you know but <laughs> on your own oh good luck you know what i mean it's like every freaking thing is a threat i don't i can't i don't want to live like that 
Even if the lifespan is shorter, I'd rather spend it with people that I'm like, I care about. And this is our sure. Than yeah. to be like, I live forever alone in the woods until a zombie finally got me when I was 92. I couldn't fight him off and I didn't press the right track button. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, no. No, true. Um, you're now a, a superhero with an unlikely power. Would you rather have the ability to shoot meatballs out of your nostrils or the power to create force fields but only around ants. You know, I'm a little bit like Brian. And the first thing I think is, what would make me the most money? And I'm thinking it might be the thing about the ants. I mean, like, talk about pest control. I just come and I just put the force fields around them and move them out the way and like, bop, bop, we're done. I feel like no one would want to eat the meatballs coming out of my nose. See, that was my thought was I was like, I could have a meatball shop, but never tell people where they come from. Yeah, that's like, that's a ratatouille shit. Yeah, (laughs) actually, if if you're willing to like not tell people where it comes from, it works. So yeah, I I hear you on that. Whatever makes the most money, that's my answer. Yeah, but you didn't say they were good meatballs. That's true. They're just meatballs. (laughs) They're going to be like dumb little meatballs. Facts. What if they're like terrible meatballs that come out of your nose? Waste of mm, interesting. He's so sad. But are they big? Does it take a while? Is it like little Swedish ones? Love a Swedish meatball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, This is a weird question. I'm scared what's going to come out, but let's just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> what's something that doesn't smell great, but you keep wanting to smell it anyway? Something that doesn't smell great but you want to keep smelling it anyway. Uh, See, for me, I think my answer would be gasoline. That's what I was thinking too. Oh, I love the smell of gasoline. But it's not like, a good straight smell. Straight off the bat. You just love it. No, you know, I think it is a good smell. Gasoline kind of low-key is a, like an amazing smell. <laughs> it's a thing, right? That you like to smell gas. Is it because like it's a survival tactic? technique that like you know what it smells like that's a really good answer Kevin. I oh was interesting that cool because i thought like two things I, was, I thought like i thought like garlic for like the first thing i thought because garlic is a it's, it's an interesting smell because garlic can really stink pungent yeah, sure. is a word for garlic <laughs> what does it say it again pungent yeah it's really pungent. totally i like it um but also, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably get my fiance in trouble. He's actually a host on broad, on the Broadway pod, podcast network as well. Mm. Barrio Simmons. Uh, yes. Yeah, he's also the costume designer of, of, of our show, Thoughts of a Color Man. But sometimes, uh, 
you know, if I like just come in from the gym, I'm a little mm. bit like of a of a of a overly clean guy. So I like probably on average take about two showers a day. Oh, um, wow. But like if I just get in from the gym or I'm just getting in from the day, he'll like sniff me. And I'm just like, maybe it's like a pheromone thing. I don't know. 100% it's a pheromone. No, thing. that's the thing. My husband and I say that to each other too. Really? But it's like, you don't stink, but like you smell like you. Oh, you don't right. smell like a shower. You smell like you. That's what he said. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, oh, I'm like, I don't stink. He's like, no, you just smell like you. And I'm like, oh, that's a, such a good answer. I like, uh, I, I totally on a, like a human level, understand what that means. Yeah. Like yesterday we, we got a, one, one of my best friends um, came up to town and we went to the U S open. Right. And so as we're going in, this woman like scans his ticket and he's looking down at his phone. And I literally watched this woman go <gasps> like, she literally like walked over to him and went, and he wasn't paying attention. And she goes, you smell really good. And he was like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, dude, that woman just sniffed you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, she smelled good. I was like, no, you missed it. She walked up to you and went. And I was like, what in the animal kingdom is going on? Like she, you're giving off something and she wants it. <laughs> so yes. that's my answer. Bodies, good, good smelling bodies though. Like let's not go too far with this y'all out there thinking, no. you know, I'm not going to. You can smell like you, and then you can smell like you need to take a shower. Yeah, like you know, this is this is funny because I don't know if y'all saw in the last couple of weeks some of our brothers and sisters on this internet coming out talking about they don't take no showers. Yeah, can see visible dirt. I'm like, I don't know about that. No, no, no. <laughs> and the rock is like, I shower three times a day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, I just take a shower when it looks like I need to. What? <laughs> And when I'm it looks like, like you need to. Right. I'm like, aren't there some real health concerns too? Like certain parts of your body just need to let water hit them. You know, yeah. let water hit that area. I know. Do you remember that whole debate about whether you wash your legs or not? Yeah. Did you ever see um, You're the Worst? On You're the Worst, there's a whole subplot. It's like, yeah, you yeah, need yeah, to yeah, wash yeah. your legs in the shower. Oh, so funny. I'm like, you do need to wash your legs in the shower. Yes. And that's why I'm walking around the city, some of y'all feet look like that. Because yeah. y'all, yeah. and some of y'all legs look like that because you don't wash. You your are legs. in New York and you wear sandals. You wash your feet when you get home. You Immediately, ready? amen. Immediately, immediately. And my my final question for you is: Your life is now a video game. What are three different cheat codes you could have, and what would they do? So I don't know what this cheat code would do, but some of my like nerds who are probably born around my my age would love this. Uh, the first cheap code is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, yep. star. Yep, 100%. All the nerds out there will love me for that. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some other levels. Um, I don't know the cheat code. You know what? Not to get too too heavy, but I feel like I would have some kind of gratitude cheat code. I've found that that's my cheat code to real life. So like one of the things that I do every morning as soon as I wake up, like before I go on social media, before I go on mm-hmm. emails or, or to-do list, I, I write down 10 things I'm grateful for. And I started to do that while I was in Hamilton and real talk, my life has just completely changed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the science behind that, but it's a cheat code that I wish I could give everyone. I've mm-hmm. never been happier. Um, and, and quite literally like the, at my actual life, everything from jobs to relationship has just blossomed. And it just started off with me being like grateful as opposed to pessimistic all the time. You know what I mean? Well, also gentleman Jack is your cheat code. Right. Oh yeah. Gentleman Jack is a cheat code. Well, I gave them Tracy Tom's cheat code, any kind That's of fair. whiskey. It's going to give you a belly during this panorama. 
So don't drink too much of it. You got to walk around the block during the panorama. But if you drink whiskey, a cheat code is, I will say this. I also learned this cheat code. I didn't realize I have a slight allergen to the wine. I don't know if it's the tannins or what. But mm. Sulfites? Yeah. So if I sit, if I, if I have to sing and I drink wine, it's like Harvey. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm like singing oh, like this. Whoa. For the reason, if I'm like, if I drink a whiskey or tequila, shout out to Kev for the tequila. If I drink tequila or I, or I, I drink whiskey, for some reason, I can just, I can still sing. So it, that's another mm-hmm. show for the singers out there. Wine, for some reason, takes me down. But everything else, I'm actually kind of okay. Cool. That's amazing. And this has been Kevin's Corner. <coughs> Kevin's Corner. Um, yeah, so let's talk about thoughts, <coughs> excuse me, thoughts of a colored man. Um, I mean, that, oh, that, get your tickets now. Um, you can get them online. We'll post about it as well. Um, what can we expect? I mean, I, I believe you haven't done a play in a while. You come back to Broadway. Like, uh, talk about, you know, why you decided to do this as well as kind of what we can expect from it. It's very exciting. Yeah, so so I I, I chose to do it because literally the universe would not let me say no. Um, so the, the writer of this piece, um, Keenan, who's an amazing playwright, I met in Harlem at an ugly sweater party. And Kenan's wife is from Baltimore, um, and that's where I'm from. And uh, we just started chopping it up. And literally at the end of the show, I mean, at the end of the party, he comes up to me. He goes, bro, we're going to work together one day. I'm going to write something, and we're going to work together. And I'm like, okay, cool. That was like four or five years ago. So when this show came around, I was like, this is kind of insane. It also gets weirder. So the director of the show directed me in a virtual, viral uh, night of performances uh, right after George Floyd, um, the George Floyd incident last year, right? And I love, I love Steve Broadnax. And fast forward later on that year, I'm having a dinner with a friend of mine from school and Steve, Stephen Moore happens to be Stephen Broadnax's partner. So I went to school with the partner of the director, Wow. At the end of that dinner, he goes, are you single? And I'm like, yeah, I'm single. What's up? He goes, there's this guy I think you should meet. The guy he introduced me to I, is my fiance now, and we're getting married on New Year's. He's the costume designer of the piece. Wow. And so everybody in the thing, it's like a six weird six degrees of separation. So I just thought I'd be rooting from the sidelines. Like, yes, black people get your lives. Black people on Broadway, black people on Broadway. And I'd be in LA, like sipping mezcal, like Kevin by the pool. <laughs> and they, I got this call from Brian Moreland and he goes, Hey, have you guys talked about working together? Like, and I was like, yeah, we can separate church and state. Like, it's all good. Like what, what's up? He goes, so I don't know if your agents have called you yet, but you have an offer in your inbox. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you got an offer for the show. Uh, and we would love for you to do it. So essentially I didn't have a choice. I know everybody in it, (laughs) (laughs) everybody in it. Um, and then I read it and here's, here's what I'm excited about. I told you I'm writing like 10 things I'm grateful for every day in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for me, happiness and prioritizing self-care and prioritizing joy are like, the center of my life right now. I finally mm-hmm. learned that it's not like my career's job to make me happy. It's not a partner's job to make me happy. It's actually my job every single day to make myself happy. And if I can share that happiness with other people, cool. If not, 
yo, I'm happy. So we good. And when they told me that my character's name is happiness, mm, I um, kind of flipped out a little bit. So uh, I don't know if you guys can see this. I literally have choose joy tattooed on my, my forearm. So does your it, sister tease you and be like, choose me? Is that what you I know? Right? Well, it's funny because she, we had this long conversation about, and we were also drunk, uh, <laughs> Broadway wasted. Um, we were Broadway <laughs> wasted. And uh, my sister came to visit in New York um, and she was, we had this conversation about, it was like the middle of the night. We had this conversation about how happiness and joy really is a choice. Um, and it's, it's all about perception and it's your job, your inner being's job to look out at everything that's happening in your life and pick and choose the things to focus on. And she was like, we should go get tattooed right now. I'm like, right now? I was like, yeah, in the middle of the night in New York City, I'm going to get joy, choose joy tattooed on me. I was like, I'm getting choose joy tattooed too. Um, and of course, Kevin was left out because he's a middle child. And he wasn't. <laughs> but uh, so me I and my- choose I, have a, I have a choose Kevin tattoo right here Good on job. my back. Who might choose Kevin next? But yeah, we choose joy, man. And so um, I, I'm wasted. So I don't know what the question was. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I had to do this, this show. Sure. Um, where the, when I read it, I thought, first of all, this writing is great. Um, second of all, the thing that I love the most about it is that I've been saying this for years, but black people are not a monolith, right? So we have these ideas that we think of when we see black men. For for example, even when we see the show Thoughts of a Color Man, it's a play. Oh, God, it's probably going to be heavy. It's probably going to be talking about the police. And actually, it's not at all what you think it is. You get mm. this glimpse into this life of seven different black men from seven different parts of, of, you know, the cross section of life. We're all different ages. We have different backgrounds. And of course there has to be some kind of drama because, you know, conflict is, is, you know, the highlight of storytelling and it's necessary. So there is internal conflict and conflict between us. Um, but it's not, it's not what you think it is. Cool. And so um, that slight twist is what made me lean into the script. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as a performer, I thought, well, one of my friends wrote it. Uh, one of my really close friends' uh, partners is directing it. And my fiance is the costume designer. And I just got an offer. I think I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. 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 yeah I think I'm going to say yeah. So cool. we're going to have some fun up there. And you were in L.A. before this? Like this is bringing you back to New York? This is bringing me back to New York. I flew into New York. When was the hurricane? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Um, Wednesday. Why I went to a Wine Wednesday happy hour and then just got caught. And I was like, we'll wait out this rain. And the bartender was like, our basement's flooding. You guys need to leave. <laughs> my my yeah. flight landed two hours before the hurricane started up here. So I landed that morning. So I landed oh, at yeah. early in the morning on Wednesday. Uh, and that night was a hurricane. Yeah. Well, craziness. How, now, you, so will this be the first time that you're working with someone that you're in a relationship with? Um, I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how would you say that, like, like for this specific time, how are you, like, what is the best way for, like, two people who are in a relationship who have to work together to be, able, like you said, separation of church and state? Like, how does that work for you? To totally. It, I, but also multiple friends. Like, it's not just... Like, there's something to say about working with friends as much as working with someone you're in a romantic relationship with. Completely. Just as hard. Totally. I think, I think the answer to both of, both of those mm -hmm. kind of questions slash statements are, are that um, it's about communication. 
Like the key to every relationship really is communication. And I'm not saying that because I'm a million years old now. I'm just saying that like, I've learned <laughs> through ups and downs that like, you know, communication really, really, really is the key. And, mm-hmm. and even though I am a bit of an A-type and, you know, letting go of that idea of being a perfectionist, I think it's also about, especially with, with people that you love, it's about choosing to celebrate the gifts and the talents that other people have and letting them do their thing. Right. And I'm saying all that right now, because the first day I get into my fitting and my soon to be husband starts telling me what I'm wearing, I'm going to complain about all of it. And I'm going <laughs> to bite or too loose or it's not long enough and it's the wrong fabric and I'm allergic to this. No, I'm joking. I won't do <laughs> But yeah, I do, well, I do think it's about communication. <coughs> I think it's about um, respecting everybody's positions. And if these are really your friends and really your loved ones, you want them to shine. You want yeah. them to do their thing. Also, low key, not to be shady, I try not to have friends that I don't feel like I can celebrate. And the only reason I say that sure. is because I... I have to respect your mind. I have to respect your ability because I'm such a natural cheerleader. And it's a hard, I don't know if any of you ever had to do this at home, but like, it's a really hard thing to try to cheerlead and celebrate someone who's whack. Like, it's just hard. And I've tried. It's like, I'm like trying not to lie. I'm like trying to find everything positive I can say about like what I'm seeing, but it's just, Mm -hmm. it's totally if you actually really celebrate them. So even if it's something that you're not like super fond of, it's not an indictment on them because you're like, you're the shit actually. This Mm -hmm. thing, I don't like this thing, but you're amazing. So everybody, I can honestly say this, every single person that's a part of this production, I'm a fan of. That's awesome. I feel lucky and blessed to be a part of this with these these folks. Everybody go see Thoughts of a Colored Man. Get your tickets now, October 1st. Um, it is going to be awesome. And I, I'm very excited based on what we've heard here today, for sure. Um, and yeah. if you're, if, if even 1% of your energy and your talent transfers into this, it's going to be spectacular. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be more than 1%. Um, but, uh, let's, let's play a quick game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm a little no. bit like Monica from Friends, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm like, Amazing. Um, you know, it's September. <laughs> I work in a school year based career. Um, so let's do a little back to school game. Woo, back to school. Um, because every September I'm just like, I need to go back to school shopping. I need new pens. Um, so we're kind of the same person. Is it weird that I may or may not have bought a first day of rehearsal outfit? <laughs> there is, of course there's, you have. There is nothing sexier than staples during back to school time. Ugh. Baby, we're going to date. I don't even know. I'm going to call you on the phone tomorrow, Brian. Your name is spelled with a Y and you like staples? There is nothing sexier than the uh, the right highlighter set. Oh, or a nice, beautiful Sharpie thing, a Sharpie pack. Or those pens that like when you write them, they... It's like there's no way it's gonna like run out and do that weird thing. Like when mm-hmm. it's, done, it's gonna be yep. done, it's All like these kind of pens done. I have. Woo! Exactly. Exactly. Um, my boss's daughter just got her supply list for first grade, and I was like, "Can I take her? <laughs> Can I take her to buy her stuff? Like this is my favorite thing to do." Um, so, in the spirit of back to school, I have a top ten list of the top ten movies about teachers and students. Yes, my mom's a teacher. Okay. Shout out, mom. Love you. Yes. Yeah. Woo. Um, and then speaking of my mom, 
I have ugh, one of these playbill binders. Nice. Full of playbills. So when it is your turn in this game, you'll just say when on my phone and I'll scroll around to all the different movies about teachers. Okay, great. And then I'll say when on a playbill. And then you can choose either like the creative team that wrote that show is writing a musical about this movie or just dream cast your favorite Broadway person in this movie instead if they did a Broadway adaptation of these teacher movies. This is hard. <laughs> and Kevin will go first to show us all how to do it. All right, let's do it. Oh, geez. Look at his eyes. All right, um, all right Kevin, say when. When? <clears throat> I was about to say School of Rock, but that's already been done. So should we choose the one right next to it instead? Yes. Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Solid movie. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Rob, the late Rob Williams. All right, say when. When? Do you want sideshow or on the town? I'll take sideshow. Great. Sideshow, okay. the revival. Sideshow, the revival. Okay, so um, I think that it's the story of Goodwill Hunting, but Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are stuck to each other like. Uh, like Matt Damon twins. and Stuck on You? Yeah. <laughs> like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are conjoined twins like Sideshow. Um, and so the whole thing is still happening, but it's just with them being stuck to each other. Um, and I would say that those parts would be played by, let me think, uh, it would be uh, Aaron Tveit and... Uh, As Ben Affleck or Matt Damon? I don't know their names in the movies. Uh, Aaron Tveit will be Matt Damon. Okay. And then uh, Ben Affleck is like a wisecracking, like funny guy um, in that movie. So I would put, we'll put Brian in that part. So Brian will play that part. And then the Robin Williams part will be played by uh, Andre DeShields because I just (laughs) saw him at an event like a week ago and he wore this robe that like had like a train dragging behind it on the ground and a hat with a feather that was like literally six feet tall above his hat. And it was the most amazing thing ever. So like, I want to see Andre DeShields in everything now. Um, so Kevin, I, I don't know if I can do this as president of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would do. I would do that musical turn into the, that movie with those three actors. I I just watched you do that in amazement, and I still don't know if I know how it works. So I want to go next. <laughs> you want to go next? I want to go next. The rules are there are pretty much no rules. You'll get two things and then just connect them in any way you feel fit. <laughs> oh. I lost your audio for a second, but that might just be me. One second. Okay. All right, my back. Yes. Yeah, we got you. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys can help me with this. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of together. Okay, so say when. Okay. When? <clears throat> Election. Do you know that movie with... Uh, Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon? I don't know that movie. I know the people. I don't know the movie. What's right above Election. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, which I've never heard of, or right Aquila and the Bee. Aquila and the Bee. Boom, black people. Okay. Let's Good do movie. it. 
Good movie. Yes. Okay. Kiki Palmer and Lawrence Fishburne. And that was, that was a very and young. Oh, that's Palmer. true. Okay, say when. When? Oh God, things moved, but before oh, they God. moved. When? When you actually said when we have Daddy Long Legs or Shuffle Along. Shuffle Along, Black people. Perfect. Okay. <clears throat> so. So you're combining Shuffle Along and Aquila and the Bee somehow. Jeez. Either the writers are writing an Aquila and the Bee musical. Mm, or, or the cast is taking over Aquila and the Bee. Or they tap dance every time she does something. Let's or, see the or cast that. is taking over Aquila and the Bee. Okay. So we've got Amber Iman cast in the role of Angela Bassett. Ooh, I love that. Let's see. Got... Hmm, who could be Lawrence Fishburne? Do we go with wasn't Brandon? Brandon did shuffle along, didn't he? Brandon he did, did, yeah. So we'll do we'll do BBD as Fishburne's character. And we'll do we'll do and we'll 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 age her, right? So we'll have we'll have Adrian, Miss Adrian Warren play Kiki Palmer's role because Ooh. Adrian's tiny. But she's mighty. <laughs> so she can also do the flashbacks. She's telling the story. She's going into oh, the yeah, story. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So she's telling the story. She goes back. She's telling the story. She goes mm-hmm. back. So boom. That's how I would do it. Love it, Ryan. It's your turn. Are you ready, Ryan? Yeah. Go back up. Say when. When. <clears throat> Kindergarten Cop. Great film. Yes. That's a good movie. These Playboy binders are precarious. Okay, again. Stop. You have either Something Rotten or A Gentleman's Guide. Oh my gosh. But you just missed my most prized the public Hamilton, if you want to use that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the something rotten gentleman. Great, great. Um, the guys who wrote something rotten, who also wrote Miss Doubtfire, um, are absolutely writing a kindergarten cop movie. Um, this movie is spectacular, um, and so will this musical be. I think that uh, oh man, I don't even know where to begin with casting this. So you have the Arnold Schwarzenegger part, you have his female uh uh co-cop character and then you have all the kids the kids are brand new you find amazing little kids to play them you swap them out when they age out all that fun stuff it's just the, <laughs> all know, that whatever. fun stuff i like that you <laughs> yeah. don't just cast it but you explain the business model to keep the show running there's yeah, a pie yeah, chart yeah. on the wall like the Annie documentary yeah. taught us a hundred percent so you get in there um and then you have you know there's a whole song where the kids talk about you know, was it pee-pee in the vagina or whatnot? Right, like right. all that stuff. Girls Great have film. The boys have, have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all of that. Um, then so you're casting three, but you're casting the bad guy. You're casting Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're casting the, the female cop. Um, Arnold. That's, I think that I do that one last. So I think the first one you do is, who is, I think, Okay. I think you, this is going to be crazy. I think you go Audra for the female cop part 
because I just want to see her like just unleash those straight woman slash like a little bit of comedy chops. I think she'd be really grounding for that role. Um, I think that would be super, super awesome. Um, so I'm going to go also, with that. In the musical version, she's going to sing the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, absolutely. Um, so I think that's one. For selling tickets. So. <laughs> N- never. Um, uh, bad guy. Ooh. Who's the bad guy in the movie? I, I, I don't remember. It's someone It's someone famous at that point. Um, yeah, Brian, look it up. Because yeah, um, um, it, it ends up like in the in the showers at the end or something i forget and the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah yeah um uh yeah. the Arnold kindergarten Car- cop confused with jingle all the way but that's just me sure also a great film <laughs> um i think the i feel like this should be easier but it's really hard because you want an you want an older man who can really knock the comedy out of the park um and it's like like the funny thing about kindergarten cop one he has the accent two he's just like so much bigger than the children so you want someone bigger larger than life um tommy uh, tune <laughs> yeah or like like a like a uh, what's his name shuler hensley type character actor oh, in that yeah. role who's just like enormous um music man shuler hensley who else is tall hugh jackman yeah but I, he's too pretty you want someone like more you want you want I, I i don't uh this is really like like norm lewis norm lewis interesting uh, interesting uh, he's not like strong enough yeah who's i'm just like andy carl <laughs> i mean listen andy carl andy should play the villain the villain that's a good one andy he's carl not, is the villain you know what i mean we always cast him in this like you know leading man that's true i'd like yeah, to see I him don't... pull out the chops on the villain I, this I, is really tough maybe norbert leo butts. arnold i mean do you want norbert leo butts do you cast do you cast timothy hughes just because he's the biggest man on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, you want a Norbert Leo Butter, like a Denny Burstyn type, like in that role who can, can, can do the comedy, can do like balance all of that, but, but you want someone like, like imposing as a police officer. That's I'll like, like Timothy Hughes, Timothy, it could be Timothy Hughes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's put Timothy Hughes in there. Let's do Timothy Hughes in there. So it's Timothy Hughes, His Audra, breakout Tony and Andy role. Carl. Timothy Hughes. Right. Oh my God. I would love to see this show. I'm down. Let's yeah. Go. I'm into this. People have, do people ever listen to your podcast and steal your ideas and like make them musicals? <laughs> Not yet. That's a good question. <laughs> have you ever had a guest that like loved your ideas and stole them and made it in my musical? <laughs> we, we had no. Said they were going to do that. Didn't we have someone that said that like did it again? And they're like, no, I want to use that. Yes, we did have that happen. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, this idea is so great because it's cross generational as well, right? Mm-hmm. We found over the years, I would say at least the decade that I've been a part of this community, that like a lot of those shows that like have children in them, but also are in a certain time period where like the adults bringing the children have a bit of like a nostalgia shot. It's like the kindergarten cop thing could really, really work. Yeah. Who would write Um, it though, Brian? The guys from Something Rotten. Rotten. Oh, the guys from Something Rotten. Boom. It's actually a great... Pairing because they were already doing Doubtfire. They can do the nostalgia. Totally. Oh, um, and the bad guy in this was Richard Tyson. 
Well, I anyway, I think he was. I don't know him either. I think he was. Um, because I go, I looked him up too real quick. I didn't like look at what he did, but I saw that he. No, I mean, I didn't. I don't remember him. Remember him, but he was the de- the detective, the bad detective in um something about Mary, the one that was like obsessed oh, with her. Sure, uh, sure, sure. He's the detective. that could be a musical too. Something about Mary would be an amazing. Of something about Mary. I would see. Uh, there's there's a few things that you would have to like. Well, that well, that's the beauty. <clears throat> so that's the beauty. So I'll like, say like, this. About like her, like the like with her brother <laughs> character, like totally. Like, you got to tweak some stuff. You got to update. Yeah, that's gotta, well, that's anything. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of these musicals that have come out because, like, a lot of these movie to musical adaptations, you don't want to necessarily remake the movie, but to put it in another medium and be able to edit a lot of these things. Perfect example. I think that the Groundhog's Day musical improves upon the movie in terms of plot and like character motivation and stuff like that. But you're not going to remake Groundhog's Day and like, like, to- like, I mean, maybe you will, but like at some point, but like, it's just another way to be able to express that musical. Like there's arguments for Legally Blonde, the musical being a lot tighter than the movie and like things like that. Like, that um, so I think that like, so, like uh, something about Mary where not, you don't have to tone it down, but you can, you can absolutely rewrite reorganize rethink restructure some of those things that just like are just back then were not good and and then like now are still not good i think there are ways to do that for sure and actually kevin like going back to what you said as opposed to like leaning into like we've expanded as a human consciousness right so like we know that certain things are inappropriate but like (laughs) when i look at that is there's opportunities now like yeah that character that was in one place written from a 2021 2022 perspective who is that character on stage like it's 100 percent. yeah like like, there's opportunity there (coughs) yeah well that's what they did with doubtfire great great idea kevin as you brought it up because the guys from doubtfire took that harvey firestein character and like that's a whole plot line where they're trying to adopt a, a, a a kid as a gay couple and they like they use that plot line in the doubt i don't know how it's changed since seattle to to broadway but like one of the concepts was opening up that um storytelling avenue to be able to to share a thing that the movie the movie their whole scene is just to bring comic relief and like the whole like matchmaker sequence and of course two gay men are going to sing make him barbara like there's a whole there's a lot wrong with that but like to be able to use that comedy and like filter it into that storyline we can do a ton mm-hmm. of that stuff with a lot of these musicals the, the, the we're talking musicals, about the musicals message which is their marketing tool right now is that all families look different so I like they're, they're taking this whole different <laughs> like this movie we all loved that was like about how which for a lot of kids in our generation was teaching them like sometimes parents get divorced and this is what happens and yeah there's craziness but like sometimes your family dynamic will change and, and that doesn't mean your parents don't love you correct and I love how they've taken it to that 2021 sensibility that it's all families are different so it's like they're gonna have like the gay couple trying to adopt a child they're having like a divorce couple, like a divorce couple, and how like that changes who they are, and if the mom is dating somebody else, and there's a new like adult figure in the relationship. Like I really love, like it's exactly what you're saying, Brian. They're taking a, something that was from this time period and giving it a 2021 sensibility, and it's really developing these stories even further. Well, it's interesting because you know me and me and my partner had this great conversation the other day. You know, because one of the things when you're 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 choosing to do a work but also not only choosing if you're thinking about creating a work the major question you're always asked in these pitch meetings is why this show now right Mm -hmm. i asked him a show um a little wasted last night (laughs) i said 
well, why musical theater now? Why theater now? Of all the mediums that we have to tell stories in, of all the spaces that we can create um, conversation, why theater? Why now? And I think the idea of taking films and movies or even like revivals or um, I saw, you know, uh, shout out to Jocelyn Bio, you know, on um, on her work on Merry Wives at the public that's out right mm-hmm. now. It's like, why am I sitting down to watch Merry Wives? Well, when you sit down and watch Jocelyn's Merry Wives, it's a different show. She's speaking very specifically to what's going on right now. And I think mm-hmm. that if we can take these films, even if they have like huge commercial success, and we can say, listen, what happens when we tell this story now as a storyteller is I get to use this this material to have a conversation in a way that television and film and streaming something on your couch at Netflix can't do. We're all in this room together having this conversation. And that's, that's the beauty and the power of theater. And then if you get to sing it, that's the beautiful power of musical theater. And if you get to put it on Imagine. the internet, that's Brian's beautiful power as the king of the music. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. That's why we love theater so much. We've talked about, like, the three of us and my husband and I, like, the main thing we miss about theater is, like, the drinks after, the subway ride home after, that you're seeing something, you're forced to see something with somebody else and then talk about what it meant to everybody. And you're not just like, I watched this yesterday in the morning time and I didn't pay attention. Like, yeah, I mean, as a practitioner, that's the, the biggest, the biggest fear I have is, is to just go and see something and not to have a, 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 a visceral reaction from it, right? Like, yeah. if I'm going to go see Mrs. Doubtfire, if I'm going to go see something about Mary the Musical, I want to feel like they have a point of view and yes. I don't even have to love it. That's that's where I'm a little weird. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to love it and I'd love to hate it because at least if we're walking away, my love it and hate it actually is not about the show. It's about my reaction to the show. Totally. Absolutely. That when I perceive this, I want to talk about it this way or I'm having this emotional reaction. That's effing theater, people. But this idea of like going to see it and it's like, eh, that's actually death. No, <laughs> yeah, like, agree. One of the best things is to like sit at drinks with your friends and be like, well, they had a good idea here. And if they had just done this, 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 mm-hmm. it would have been better. And yeah, like, you're right. Just like seeing something that's just like, well, <coughs> it could have been a Netflix rom-com I watched on a Saturday morning. Completely. You're not seeing the, th- you're not going to theater for that. You're not <laughs> well, we talk about, we talk about how that revival of Oklahoma is a top five theater experience for me. It would never be in my top five shows ever, but as a top five experience. Yeah. I love the way you said that. That's what, that's why we go to theater. We go to theater to have an experience, right? Yeah. Like there are times where after a really, really long day during COVID when you've been zoomed out mm-hmm. and you, you know what I mean? Your just brain is just done. When you go to watch Netflix, you know, like my Netflix looks like anime and like, Disney plus Marvel everything. And like, there's a few like really, really, really cool like top 10 shows you gotta like, you gotta stream it because it's on, right? Right. Um, so there there are those things. But for the most part, when you get there, you kind of want to chill the brain out a little bit. It's, it's mm-hmm. been overworked. But when it comes to theater, you want everything about you to be engaged. You want your humanity to be engaged. And yep. I think I understand it from a business model that we got to pull in this like, you know, commercial stuff sometimes. But yeah. it's where us as theater practitioners, we know how hard it is to make shit. So if I can pull in this thing that you know you love, because you watched it when you were younger and it made millions of dollars, but I can sneak in conversations surrounding our humanity. That's the shit. And that's why you go to Absolutely. Absolutely. Kimberly, do you want to do the last one? Oh yeah. (laughs) Still playing a game. 
Okay, tell me when. Wait, who's the last one? Kimberly. Kimberly. I just haven't had a turn yet. Oh, what? Okay, Kimberly's about to kill it. When? By the way, y'all cheating. There is no game on the planet where the person that's holding the timer and counting the score comes off the <laughs> Just so y'all know, it wasn't I was trying to leave you out, Kimberly. I ain't leaving you out, boo. I'm just saying, <laughs> running the game, you can't play the game too. But all right, yeah. cool. y'all whatever. I know, and it's always like, well, they'll just say when. And then I just look and I'm like, I don't know that movie. Like I don't know that movie. The dealer she cheating. Y'all can't see her. She cheating. She cheating. <laughs> well, because I'm looking, I'm like, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. I've yeah, she's gonna pick. She's and and Brian and Kevin are just so used to it. Yeah, it's it's Kimberly's turn. It's yeah. like she's so good <laughs> at this. She's so good at it because she's holding the phone. She chooses the show she wants to choose. In like, advance. Exactly. She's like when, and she's like ooh now. When <laughs> obviously with love, the only movie I've seen on this list. <laughs> Wait, which movie? You out I was right gonna now. say to stir with love, but now you guys can pick the two the ones that are right, were right next to each other. Um, Dead Poet Society or To Sir With Love. Coming to America, Eddie Murphy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's about no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Um Wait, wait, what were, the, what were the other two, Kimberly? To Sir With Love or Dead Poet Society. Ooh, Dead Poet Society. Let's, yeah, let's throw another poet. Robin Williams in there. Yeah, okay. yeah, shout out to Robin Williams. I mean, so ugh. good. Okay, and then no. this one truly, say when, and I won't look. Kevin, you say when. When? That was the same as Brian. That was the same as you. Next one. Oh, interesting. Cabaret. All right. And Dead Poet Society. So the show is framed as a show within a show of them putting on Midsummer Night's Dream at the end. Sure. Cool. And so you're going in and out of the fairy world and like them actually in this reality of them at school and like the Robin Williams character is Puck and the like the lovers are all of the boys. Um, I'm in it already. I love it. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it would be cool. And then like it's Candor and Ebb songs. So why not? Cool. And then I'm trying to think of who would be in it. Like you could go I'm trying to think of like how insane Alan Cummings would be as like, oh, captain, my captain, but sure, not wrong. He's so good. And then you just get like young, unknown kids as the kids. Sure. Mm-hmm. When they age out of uh, kindergarten cop, they go, they can come they go right into right in. society, <laughs> and then they've earned their dramatic chops and they're on to a movie career. Yeah, oh. totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Josh yeah. Charles. Yeah, and like the musical numbers are told through like vignettes a la cabaret, and there you go. You're really good at this. Thanks. I think you're the best of us at this, but I also (laughs) wonder how. I wonder how you're the best at this. (laughs) You've got the book with all of the playbills in it, and you've got the screen with all the all the movies. That's what's hard about doing this on Zoom is like I have all of the answers in advance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm joking. That was actually pretty fucking awesome. Um, well, that does bring us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. You were awesome. Um, again, everybody, check out Sneakerella when it comes out. Check out everything that he mentioned. Um, but more importantly, um, definitely look out. Get tickets. 
for um, Thoughts of a Colored Man, October 1st. Um, uh, Keenan Scott second, Amazing Voice, um, killer cast, including Brian. Um, definitely, we're, we'll be there. Uh, definitely, definitely go see it. Um, uh, we end every episode with a quote. This one is calling out around the world. Are you ready for a brand new beat? Summer's here and the time is right for Dance in the Street. That is Dance in the Street by Martha and the Vandals, but written by Marvin Gaye. Hey. Um, again, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you so much. When you guys come to see the, see the show, after the show, we're going to get Broadway wasted. Yes. Great. <laughs> we'll definitely know when you're there. A thousand percent. Um, um, we'll definitely know when he's there. Right, you'll um, be there. We'll let you know when we're there also. Man, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, thank you so much. You can follow us at Broad Wasted. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. Don't forget to join our Patreon. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts, including Spotify, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. I know you're so busy. We didn't even get to the music stuff. We didn't even get to Indefine. Like, there's so much to talk about with you. You're magnificent. Um, but we, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but we'll raise a glass, and we as we end every episode, we say, "Cheers!" Thanks, Brian. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.